What up, everybody? This is the Terrible Terror here, and I want to give you a quick little introduction before you listen to this bonus episode of the podcast. You see, back in August, I was asked to be part of a podcast pack for Hurricane Relief, and so I recorded this episode on Chopping Mall. Now, you've probably heard me talk about it before, and you're definitely going to hear me talking about it on this episode of the podcast. A little bit of beginning, a little bit at the end, but I really enjoy this one, the movie, and two, this episode of the Terrible Terror podcast. And I felt like, hey, Everybody should get a chance to listen to it. The campaign was relatively successful, and I feel that those that didn't donate, um, even though I do urge you to go out there and either donate your time, your energy, or your money uh, to anything that can help anybody out there, I still feel that there is a core of the audience that would really enjoy this episode. So I'm releasing this as a bonus episode, and I hope you guys really do enjoy this episode as much as I did. I wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. I hope everybody had a very happy Hanukkah. I hope that Satan brought you the gifts that you wanted and you didn't have to sacrifice so many virgins just to make sure that he showed up at your anti-Christmas dinner. And with all that said, please enjoy this episode on Chopping Mall. It's time to turn up the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I really love these movies. If you've made a movie on your phone or made your own effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now what do you get when lightning strikes three times and causes plight killer robots to run amok? Why you get the 1986 classic Chopping Mall. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a bonus episode of the Terrible Terror podcast, specifically made for Hurricane Harvey Relief. Uh, I appreciate being a part of this. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Terrible Terror podcast. This one is being specifically recorded uh, to be a part of an Indiegogo pack for Hurricane Harvey Relief. So if you've purchased that pack, I thank you so much, and I thank you for giving my little podcast a listen to. Uh, You could have just said, you know what, I'm just donating the money and I'm not going to do anything else with it. Uh, But here we are, and you're listening to it now. So I do want to thank Scott Crawford. He's been a listener for a very long time, and he's the one that pointed uh, this charity out to me, uh, that it was, well, that this whole plan was coming together and wondered if I would be a part of it. And I really couldn't say no. Um, My aunt, she does live in Houston. She has been affected by the hurricane, and I know that she is going to need as much help as she can get. She is lucky where she hasn't sustained a whole lot of damage, but it still affects her community and affects uh, her friends and family. So I could not say no to doing this episode. I also want to say that if anybody can give any type of support to all those that need it, that are affected by 
the multiple hurricanes that have been happening. Uh, I know Hurricane Harvey is one that's huge and has affected the most amount of people, but we've got Irma that's on her way. Uh, and then followed by Jose, it's like that time of the year for fucking hurricanes to like ruin people's lives. And it truly does suck. And anything that you can do to help and donate, uh, would be great. You can donate to your favorite charity. Uh, you can donate specifically to Red Cross if you're okay with donating to them. Uh, and you can donate to your local communities at the same time. Uh, to help in the future so i do thank you for taking a listen to the podcast i do thank you for purchasing the bundle uh and being a part of this great uh coming together of podcasts so without further ado um let's talk about what we're going to be talking about today and that is the film chopping mall now, normally what I do is, in the previous episode, we played the trailer so you know what to watch for the next week. Since this is a bonus episode, why don't we take a quick listen to the trailer right now. They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. At that meet. But you're never alone. In the chopping mall. Robot Chopping Mall. Where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. Now, there's a lot of fallacies in that trailer. It's one of those cases of, oh, the trailer is cut in a certain way, and uh, a lot of those things don't necessarily happen. In fact, uh, this movie was originally called Killbots, I believe, uh, and the name didn't test well with audiences, so they changed it to Chopping Mall. And there's not a whole lot of chopping. In fact, I think there's only really one scene where you see somebody lose something and it's their head. Uh, and there's a couple things in the trailer that you see uh, that don't even happen. Like the leg and arm being uh, dragged by the robot. Uh, it, it never pops up in the entire film. And now, normally I tell listeners in the previous episode where they can find and watch this film. And in this case, since it's a bonus one, and a lot of you might not have watched it before, you can actually see this if you have Amazon Prime, or it's available on YouTube. I believe you can find it for free to watch on YouTube if you really want to. So, I, I want to explain a little bit how the podcast is going to be for those that haven't listened before and are taking a chance on it. Uh, and I'm going to be playing a bunch of clips from the movie. So, the reason that I tell everybody to watch before is so that way you're not surprised or spoiled. Now, a lot of people, they've either listened to the podcast and then gone and see the movie because they were interested in it. They listen to the podcast without ever seeing the movie because they've never wanted to see it, but they want to know what it's about. Or they go, they watch, and then they come back and sometimes we have discussions with people in different uh, areas. And every once in a while, I will try to do a movie that maybe is really, 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 really current. 
like uh, one of the last episodes prior to me recording this bonus was uh, that uh, Netflix movie Death Note. And that was a, a chore, let me tell you, to get the whole thing out. But some people weren't really ready to see that movie. So no, I'm sorry I'm going a little long-winded with this, but normally I don't. Normally we jump right in. But what I'm saying is, uh, this is a movie I think that you might want to pause this part, go watch it. It only runs 65 minutes, uh, or 75 minutes, somewhere in between there. And it's definitely, I think, worth uh, seeing scenes. Because you're not going to see anything here. You're going to think everything in your head and you've never seen it before. It's much better, I think, to actually see this this film in particular because some of the visuals really do make a difference. And what you're going to hear when you listen to the rest of this podcast is you're going to hear a lot of clips from the movie that are going to give away key points of it and it's going to spoil it. And I'm also going to spoil it Because I go from beginning to end, right? We go through the whole movie together. And like I was saying, this film is something with some of the visuals. I think you really need to see it before you listen to the episode of the podcast. So, without further ado, let's get right into Chopping Mall. So, the movie itself, it opens up with a robbery in progress. And then all of a sudden, you see the robot, one of the uh, three patrol robots, uh, and they come in and surprise the guy. And of course, we find out also that that robot can talk. Stop right there. Stop right there and surrender your weapon. Now you say. So the robber, he stops shooting at the robot because he figures that he can't do anything with his gun and his bullets. So he starts to run away, and the robot shoots him with something that incapacitates him. Uh, Then it switches over to real time, and we find out that this is actually a demonstration that's being given on by somebody that, I guess, sells the robots to malls for security. So our pitchman, he comes out onto the stage after being introduced, and he decides that he needs everybody to meet the team. Thank you very much. Before I open the floor, I'd like you all to meet your brand new security team, the Protector 101 series robots. One week from tonight, at closing, the Protectors will begin their patrol of the mall. Paul, they look like the Three Stooges. Each assigned to one of the three upper shopping levels. I don't know, Mary. The one in the middle has an unpleasantly ethnic quality. Now, are there any questions? Yes, Dr. Carrington. So what are your machines that do besides kill criminals? Well, first of all, Doctor, the protectors do not kill. I wonder if they kill cockroaches. They could probably be programmed to. They merely detain intruders until the computer located on the roof can patch into the mall phone system and send an alarm to the police. I don't know. That guy looked awfully dead to me. Just neutralized. Protectors can achieve this function in a number of ways. At close range, sleep darts fired from here and here can knock a man out in less than 30 seconds. However, the likelihood of an intruder gating entry is greatly minimized by the steel security doors, which are time-locked from midnight till dawn. Okay, so you might have recognized at least one voice that was in there. Uh, And I was very surprised to find that was uh, Mary Waranov. And if you don't know who she is, um, I recognized her right away from Terrorvision. Now, she's been in a bunch of films. uh, You know, they say that she's best known for 
uh, Death Race, for Warlock, for Eating Raul, uh, and also for The House of the Devil. Now, Paul, that's Paul uh, Bartel, and he was also in Eating Raul with her. And they're playing the same characters. They're playing Mary and Peter Bland, and I think that's kind of weird and kind of fun at the same time. Now, I don't recognize Peter so much, but right away, I mean, Mary, she has such a specific look uh, that there was no way that I would have mistaken her for somebody else. Now let's talk a little bit about these security robots. They look like rejects from Short Circuit. I mean, honestly, you remember the group of robots that Johnny Five came out of? Uh, except for it's like cut in half and they're smaller. And they've got these little like clamps on their shoulders that kind of do the clamps. I know you can't see it <laughs> when I'm doing it right here on mic. Uh but imagine uh, if you've ever seen Futurama and you've seen clamps and it goes clap, 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 you know, give him the clamps. Or even with Dr. Zoidberg and his, like, when he clamps his little claws together. That's what it looks like, but it's raised up in the back. Uh, somebody in the audience does ask whether or not uh, these things, well, do they kill? And you hear him right there and he says, no, they're perfectly fine. It's all harmless, like darts and shit. But we know what's going to happen. Come on. It's a movie called Chopping Mall. And it used to be called Killbots. And of course those things can kill. Why would you load them though with half the crap that we're going to see them use in this movie? If they weren't meant to kill, all you need is two things. A taser and the sleep darts. That's it. They don't need the claws. They don't need the ropes. They don't need anything else that they've used in this movie. I mean, we've all seen RoboCop before, right? We know what's going to happen. You give that thing fucking guns or some shit like that, and some guy's going to be blasted through a window off to his death on the ground. And then used for evil. From here, we fade into the mall, and then we get to see all these crazy things and weird stores that they have at the mall. Like... House of Almonds. What what the fuck is House of Almonds? What mall has a place that only sells almonds? I mean, is it more than that? Is it like, you know, Popeye Paradise or something like that? You know, they have more than just pot pies. Uh, But House of Almonds? I I never thought that I needed that type of place inside of a mall until I saw a chopping mall. I need to go to House of Almonds. I don't know why. I'm like drawn to it. Uh, there's also the weird sports store. There's also a paint store that we see. Again, why is there a paint store inside of the mall? Like, isn't that regulated to strip malls and not regular malls? Also, we get to see this kid in an elevator and he's holding his ice cream and everybody just files right in. And when they file right out, his shirt is completely covered from head to toe in the chocolate ice cream. It's like, How the hell did that happen? Like, they all packed in so much. Why didn't we see chocolate ice cream on the back of some of the person's, like, pants or jeans or uh, their shirts or or whatever it is? You know, they came out hella clean. He was missing his ice cream cone. He was missing all the ice cream because it was all over him. It makes no fucking sense. Then there's some really aggressive making out that's going on on one of the benches. 
uh, we're seeing a kid get kicked off of an arcade machine. First, it looks like the guy's maybe like a pedophile, and he's like trying to offer him money so he can be next to him while he plays or something like that. But no, he wants to have that arcade machine for himself, uh, and then he ends up losing hella quickly. Why are you going to kick somebody off an arcade machine if you're going to lose within two fucking seconds? Like, just wait for the kid to be done. And then you can play to your heart's consent. Which is obviously really fucking quick because you fucking suck at the game. Uh, Then we also see a lady. She's carrying around a tray of food. And everybody's almost bumping into her. She's almost dropping. She's going to make it. You know what's going to happen when it goes on. And then there's also cutaways to tons of ass shots. All over the place. Somehow, somewhere, there's like a swimsuit or like underwear competition that's going on. Because we see tons of ladies in these skimpy ass outfits. And one guy does like an infomercial style pratfall. Where he's going up the escalator and he's staring at the girls. And then he just forces himself to fall forward. It's not even one of those situations where he trips on like a stair. Because he's on a fucking escalator. How do you trip on that? I mean, especially if you're just standing there with the boxes in your hand. And then, uh, I get it. There's all these girls in these, like, hot, like, 80s outfits. And they're definitely, you know, showing more goods than maybe somebody back in the 70s or something like that. Uh, But you don't need to drop all the shit that you're walking with. We cut back over into the food court area. And then we do see the girl that has the tray of stuff barely get touched on the arm... And, like, some other fucking character that I know that died by a couch. Uh, and she drops everything everywhere. Yep, of course. That was just something that you see coming from, like, a mile a fucking way. And it's annoying as hell. Uh, now we're over in some random uh, restaurant. I don't know what it is because, well, here, just listen to what they're selling. Come on, come on, sweetheart. Give it to me, give it to me. What do you got? Andiamo. Can I get two Okaluji belly busters, a double anchovy pizza, and an order of garlic locks? Some gross. What Mojave brain ordered that? Guy over there. Oh, God. I should have known. That Orca Beach is here every night. Always trying to snack some skin. Play it safe, Allison. Serve at arm's length if you get my drift. Now, that's Allison and Susie, two of our heroines of the film. You see, they both work in whatever fucking restaurant this is. And she's trying to convince her to go out with her later tonight because there's something that's going to be going on within the mall. From here, we go into the security room where we meet Marty. And Marty is the one that's in charge of looking after the robots that are in the mall. Now, the robots are sitting back there. They're chill. They're not turned on. But for some reason, outside, a random lightning storm just happens. And lightning starts hitting all over the place, but then manages to hit the breaker, I guess, that somehow controls the robot three times. Three times in a row. Like, lightning rarely strikes twice, right? It's like a fucking miracle of nature if it hits in the exact same spot. But this manages to hit it three times. And the first time, it does nothing. The second time, it maybe does something. I don't know. But the third time is where it basically fucks with the robots because they end up killing marty and they end up stabbing him in the throat with one of their weird fucking arms and it's kind of odd too because 
he's like, oh, something's going on, and he looks around, and then he grabs, like, a manual, and then it turns out that he's got a nudie mag on the inside, and he's looking at it, and he's ogling at the boobs that are right there in front of him, and then the arm comes right through the right tit, and just stabs him right in the middle of the throat. I mean, it kind of sucks. You know, the way that you're gonna go, you want to get a boner and something kills you, just... That's not cool, man. Robots don't do that. And they're all, like, stealthy and shit, too, because he keeps thinking that they're there, and they're, like, kind of communicating with each other, like they turn their heads, and he thinks something's going on, but, of course, nothing is until they stab him through that tit on the piece of paper. Well, now that Marty's dead, we're going to go and we're going to meet the other male leads of our film, the ones that are going to have all the fun, and they're preparing a party, I guess, in the furniture store that they work at. Michael said finds out that you do this, I'm dead. I oh, don't tell me, Ferdy. You going chicken shit on us again? We already agreed. He trusts me to take care of the store while he's gone. He ain't gonna know diddly unless you tell him. And you ain't gonna tell him, are you? Hey, look, don't force me to pull rank. Oh, I'm shaking. You know, Brennan... You're becoming a real candidate for prickhood. <laughs> Look, guys, this party is going to happen, but we need a little teamwork, okay? Besides, if the place looks like shit on money, it's all our asses. You got the beer? Great. Come on. Dude. The fridge is packed. All right, good. Rick and Linda bring in the food. Clean sheets are definitely waiting. And uh, Susie... <laughs> <laughs> Susie has a surprise for you. First, Mike's laugh is fucking ridiculous, and he chews gum all the goddamn time. I mean, like, every scene that he's in, he's fucking chomping down on that piece of gum in his mouth, even when he's going... Okay, I don't want to ruin that just yet. Uh, but... He's that 80s type of douchebag. You know, the ones with the pop collars and the sunglasses that you wear indoors? Like that stereotypical type of douchebag that you would have tried to avoid if you were a teenager in the 80s. Uh, meanwhile, we cut outside, and I guess it's getting dark already, even though time really hasn't changed, and that lightning storm is now nowhere to be seen, and we get to be introduced to Rick and Linda. Strike three, Walden. You're out. My turn. It's okay, I got it, I got it. You know the rules, Buster. Into the cab. Okay, Butch. You know I can't resist it when you get tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just crank it when I tell you. Well, we're waiting. Just a sec, huh? All right, you hit it. Always the first time. Okay, so she's the better mechanic than he is, though on the side of the car it says R&L Mechanics, right? So they both must own the same company. Uh, we find out that these two are actually married, and they're going to this party for some reason. And this really seems like a hookup party, so it's weird that you invite... I mean, I guess if you're friends with a married couple and you decide that, hey, you know... 
you guys aren't planning to hook up with anybody else unless, of course, you're swingers, then fuck, I guess it's a free fuck for all, right? You can just go in there and do whatever the hell you want and screw over the hell you want, especially if you're okay with it. Uh, but it's weird, like, if you're there to hook up with your girl and that guy's going to hook up with his girl and you're trying to hook up a nerdy guy with another girl that you invite the weird couple there. But, of course, uh, Rick here, he's not sure that he really wants to go. Speaking about weird, what about this furniture store? Oh, come on, Walden. Don't. We haven't had any fun since we sunk all our wedding money into the business. Susie's counting on us. Honey, I don't care Okay, about... okay, okay. I guess I won't be needing this. So, two things here. First, she shows him some shitty pair of panties, I guess. Or is it a swimming suit? Or, I don't know what the fuck it is. Some type of lingerie. But it's just like... Okay, yeah, if I really don't want to go, me seeing your underwear before you've put it on really isn't going to do anything for me. In fact, it's probably not going to do anything for me anyway. Uh, I hate lingerie. Just show me everything. Go into the bathroom, take everything off, come out, don't waste my fucking time with lingerie. Uh, Then, also, uh, they sank all their wedding money. How much wedding money did they get? that it cost them an arm and a leg to do a mechanic business. Especially back in 1980, I think they could have set up one relatively easy. I know it's the 80s, but honestly, I think that that could have been done. Not a problem. How much money did they get for their wedding? Like, I don't know, 2000 bucks, And everything went into that? And that shitty car that you gotta fix all the time? How good is your business doing? Have you even gotten anybody yet? And you're saying that you sank all your money into it, so since you sank all the money, that means that must be really recent, and you really haven't saved up anything, or you don't have any customers yet? Why are you spending the night partying? Makes no fucking sense. So we go back into the mall, and we see that Mike, he is going to meet with his girlfriend, who works in this weird... I don't know, it's like a fashion store, or I don't know if it's like a department of the whole place... You never really get a feeling if the guys all work in, like, one giant department store along with Leslie, who is Mike's girl. Uh, Does she work in a different department or does she work in a random, like, just, you know, women's fashion store? Like, they all work in, like, a Sears and she works in a Forever 21. Except for it's weird because they have all these Monopoly-themed things in front of the store, and I thought really was like a toy shop. Like, okay, this is like a KB Toys, you know? We're going to go in there, and there's going to be all these things, and she works in a front of... But no, there's all this, like, women's fashion and shit all over the place. But the store window's all fucking Monopoly. Like, there's giant Monopoly money. There's, like, board pieces that are out there. I think I saw the thimble. Uh, But it doesn't... If it was its own store, it doesn't make any sense to me why you would have these stores. But again, there's a house of almonds. So I guess this actually does exist in this world. So Mike goes over into this weirdo fashion store and meets up with his girl, Leslie. And, you know, again, all these 80s, like, teens. And, of course, these people don't look like 80s teens. They look like they're in their mid-20s. But I guess they're supposed to be teenagers in some shape or form. They're working in a mall. I believe that they're really, like, I don't know, 
at least 18. So that way I don't feel weird thinking about their boobs, right? Uh, but it's just one of those fucking stereotypes with a lot of these 80s horrors where, you know, teens just want to fuck and that's basically it. And of course, while they're discussing about what's going to happen later, Leslie's creepy ass dad asks them as well. No, I can't. (laughs) What can't you wait for, Michael? Mr. Todd. Uh, Well, I... I I was just telling Leslie here that... uh, uh, well, that, uh... Daddy. He was just telling me how he couldn't wait to take me over to Susie's house tonight for her, um, birthday party. I see. Well, I'm running late. You'll lock up? Sure, I'll take care of everything. Yes. I'm sure you will. Okay, that's fucking creepy, and that's realizing that, yes, your daughter is a goddamn hoe, and there's nothing that you can really do about it. Yes, I know you'll take care of everything. He's very upset about the fact that his daughter is basically fucking around, but he doesn't want to do anything about it. Then, he still employs her. I mean, maybe if you decide that, hey, you don't like her being with this guy, they work at the same mall, but then again, maybe you can't stop this from happening in the future, but... Honestly, come on. Do you really have to respond like that? Wouldn't you be like, no, just go the fuck home. You don't like it. You're obviously just going to let it happen. Like, whatever is going to go on. And you truly do believe that it's Susie's birthday party. Whoever the fuck this Susie is. You know what it really is. It's Mike's dick party. That's what it's going to be. He's just going to, you know, whip it out for her. She's going to do whatever she wants to it. And Daddy's got to think about it when he gets home. Now we go into a weird section of the mall. And it's odd because the scene that kind of happens after this. uh, And I split this up into two different clips. But we're inside a changing room, and it's not like a normal, like, I don't know, back room of the store. Like, if you've ever worked in a mall before, uh, a lot of times you have, like, lockers on the wall, and you put your shit in a locker, and you have a lock so nobody steals your shit. But that one fucker that works with you, and, you know, he's like the master of unlocking or some shit, but you just want to turn him into a fucking jail sandwich instead, he manages to get into your goddamn locker and steal your Pokemon cards and sells them to the... Oh, wait. That that didn't happen to you? No, it never happened to me either. Anyway, so they're back there, but there's like a full-fledged shower that's back in the fucking thing. You can hear the water running, but you never see, like, anybody take a shower, which I was a little upset about. But you see people walk around, and, uh, well, mostly women, uh, just in their little, like, towels and barely covering anything. And meanwhile, you know, Allison, she's getting permission from her dad to be allowed to go to this party that's going on. So, what do you say? You say go out and have a good time. Oh, all right! That is bitching! Boy, I wish I had it that easy. My parents still think I'm a kid. Why do I have the feeling I'm going to regret this in the morning? Look, Allison, you've had yourself a very rough first week. You owe yourself a little blowout. Come on, it'll be fun. Okay, and just so long as I don't have to look at any more pizza. Oh, you won't, I promise. Oh, great, this is going to be wonderful. You won't regret this. I bet. 
Yeah, I bet you won't regret this at all. The movie's called Chopping Mall. You're there at the mall, and we already know the robots are going to run amok. No way that you're going to regret whatever is going to happen tonight. And there's two other things. Her dad's totally cool with it. Like She's like, "Uh, can I go to this, like, party and it's like a sex party and i kind of don't want to go no go have fun uh your mom and i need some time alone by ourselves we're gonna go to our own sex party what no no go have fun um we're gonna go dog shopping did i say dog i meant dong no i meant dog shopping uh it's just like ridiculous these parents in this film the other guy knows that his daughter's a hoe doesn't like it but lets her go hoe anyway and this guy's like sure yeah go to this party where there's gonna be drinking and people having sex and again the whole thing with uh you know Susie here being like my parents still think i'm a kid technically you are if you're at least 18 you're still a goddamn kid but i understand that teenagers feel that way i felt that way around that age But you're still a goddamn kid at that age, so pull up your fucking pants. And speaking of which, what the fuck is she wearing? She's wearing some little, like, lingerie pull-up thing. Like, it's all white and lacy. Originally, I thought it was just some weird version of pantyhose or leggings or some shit like that. But then she pulls it all the way up over her shoulders like a leotard. But it's seriously just, like, see-through fucking lingerie looking thing but she's wearing that underneath because she's wearing some black like lacy lingerie top that you can obviously see her boobs through but it gets a little meshed up when it matches with the white and she's able to walk out in that in public without anybody noticing that she's going around topless now from here they go outside and what's weird about this is it's not really outside i think i finally figured it out i've seen this a couple times and it took till just a little while ago when i was grabbing the audio for this episode to realize that they were actually still inside the mall because it's a lot brighter see outside uh where rick and linda are it's dark already it's nighttime but when they're in the mall everything at this moment looks like it's sunshine and happiness like it's all coming in through the rays of the screens uh or the windows i should say up above the the mall so everything looks like it's bright as day in there but it's supposed to be night and they've come from this changing room which i thought would have been more like something that belongs in a gym than belongs in the back of a restaurant but they're walking through and it really feels like it was just shot outside but supposedly it's inside the mall so they're walking over towards uh you know the furniture store and Allison, she's having second thoughts about being set up on this blind date. And honestly, I don't blame her, especially during this time. You're going to go to a thing where your friend, she, especially in this scene, she's only worried about looking better for her man. Uh, and there's going to be couples all getting there and just getting down with each other. You don't want to be, say, stuck with some random nerdy guy over in a corner watching, you know, not scary horror movies uh, and just being the outcasts of the party while everybody else is fucking, right? That's what you don't want, so why go? But she's still going to go because she told her friend that she would. Now we go back up into the security room and we see another scientist showing up to take over for Marty. You remember him. He's the guy that got the hole in his neck from one of the arms of those things. And so he sits down after, you know, coming from eating and... uh, he well he gets off by the robots too so that's two scientists down and now we're getting ready to get into the meat of the film 
we go over to the furniture store and we see that Susie and her boyfriend Greg, uh, they are dragging Ferdy out from the back. What kind of name is Ferdy? Like, I feel really sorry for that guy. He was born and given a nerd name already. There's no way that anybody would have been like a popular guy with the name of Ferdy. In fact, I think it sounds like a lady's name, you know, from way back in like the 1920s. Oh, you'd say to your friend, oh, I heard about Ferdy. She fell down today. Is she doing all right? Is she walking okay? Oh, yeah, she's walking fine, but now she's going to have to have a prosthetic hip. Oh, no, poor Ferdy. Like, that's what it makes me think of, the fact that it's not just, like, a dude's name, or it's going to be a guy that's really good at uh, physics or astronomy, and he's going to end up with a hot chick because, you know, his brain's bigger than everything else. Uh, it doesn't mean that he has a small dick. It just means he has a giant brain, okay? Don't get it fucking twisted. So they drag him out of the back uh, for him to meet Allison for the first time. Guys, give me a break. I got a lot of bookkeeping to catch up Where on. Where get away? Yeah, tonight you are going to shake that ultra-wally image of yours once and for all. But I like my image. I don't want to shake. Look, you guys just have fun. I just... Look, this is not a democracy. You have no choice. But I got a lot of bookkeeping to catch up on. Ferdy Mizell, meet Allison Parks. Hi. Hi. So, yes, we now have the two star-crossed lovers they've met, and everybody just starts getting down at the party. Uh, We also had some really bad dancing from everybody else, but we really don't need to call attention to that. So, from here, we get to pan through each of the three sets of couples while they give each other some of the better lines. I don't know if they're necessarily the better lines in the movie, but these are supposedly the sexy lines of the movie. Lady, you, uh, got a license for that outfit? Why, uh, no, officer. I guess you're just gonna have to take me in. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, she's wearing that really shitty lingerie that she was showing off in the beginning of the film. And I'm not saying that she doesn't have the body for it, because she definitely does. But, again, it's just this weird white frilly lace thing, and I don't know, deep... Do you guys or gals out there really get off on this lingerie shit? Because I know I don't. And that, even the line, Ooh, I'm going to pretend to be some type of authority figure and I'm going to say you're under arrest or whatever the fuck is going on. Like, it just wouldn't do it for me, to be honest with you. Okay, well, let's see if Susie and uh, Greg over here, if Greg's lines are much better uh, than Rick's lines. Smell like pepperoni. Well, that's the way you feel. Wait a minute. What? I like pepperoni. <laughs> oh. In that case. I don't know about you, but. I don't really think saying that you smell like pepperoni to somebody that maybe works in a pizza shop that happens to be a restaurant with garlic logs, whatever the fuck those things are, uh, really would appreciate being told that they smell like pepperoni. After she's gone and taken a shower in the weird, like, 
I bet you there's cameras in that fucking, like, locker room thing. Don't you think, like, to have that in the back of your restaurant, why would you, or even in your mall, like, here's for the employees, here's a place that you guys get to go shower and be naked in. Uh, there's some creepster that's installed cameras so you can watch all the girls do it. You you know that's fucking happened. But she's gotten dressed and changed. She's not wearing the same stuff. There's no way she would smell like pepperoni, especially if she's planning to bone. And then you're like, oh, I like pepperoni. And she's like, oh, he likes pepperoni? It's time to hum like a grandma while I take off my clothes. What the hell, man? Oh. All right. Mikey, can you do one better than the other two? Please, please, please. Michael. What now? No, I don't allow that. You allowed it last week, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Okay, he is trying to go down on her, and she won't let him? What the hell? I thought this was all about equality here. Like, he obviously wants to go down and go diving, and you're not okay with it? That's just really weird. You know, what if he prefers to do that than anything else? At least he was more about being on the game and not just being some type of like, oh, I'm gonna, like, woo you into having sex with me. I mean, you have the first ones, right? They're a married couple, so that seems like it's kind of normal. Maybe it's not a regular thing that she wears lingerie or cute things, because she's been working on the cars all day, so she gets, like, mud and gunk and oil all over, and, you know, he probably still finds that sexy, but he's okay with it. And that's how they can enjoy this special night. Again, it's weird a married couple being with all these people, but that's the way it is. And then you've got Greg and Susie. And that's just odd. Like, they seem like they're still in the puppy dog stage. Well, no, no, no. They're in the long-term stage, right? They're, they've been together for a while, and he, they're playful, and maybe that's the way it's going. It's the puppy dog stage for Leslie and Mike because he's willing just to do anything, and he just wants to go to Muff Town and, you know, dine at that buffet all fucking day. And she's like, uh, I'm not sure. So, I hate to ask this, but what are the dorky couple? What are they doing? I don't know why I watch these things. I'm scared so easily. I'm sorry. I should have told you about that. I've seen this one a few times. Could I get you some more wine? Bertie, are you trying to get me drunk? No, no. I I just figured maybe you might be thirsty. (sighs) You know, part of the reason why Greg fixed me up here tonight was so I wouldn't squeal to my uncle. I never thought that, uh, what? I never thought it would be so, uh, you know, nice. Okay, so they're the cute, awkward couple that doesn't know exactly what to do with each other because he's never been in a relationship before and never had a girl that was interested in him before and Allison is the one that's there. And she's really not necessarily the nerdy one, but she's kind of going along with the scene and she's like, well, I could or I couldn't and, you know, but he's really nice and, you know, they do end up actually kissing, which is 
you know, pretty good for him, but they don't go any further than that. So it's that's the point that I decided to play the game of who's going to die first out of these couples. Now, now I had my set of ideas of who is going to be off first out of everybody in the group. And I just kind of played along and see how well I did towards the end of the movie. So I'm not going to give you guys my guesses here because since you may have seen the film uh, and I don't want to ruin and put anything to your head and I feel like it may seem like my guesses were planned, but I can tell you I was a little surprised with the first person to actually die in the film. And when I say first to die, the first people out of all of these people to actually kick the bucket first because we do get one death right before we get to the teen killing by the robots. See, there is a janitor, and he's played by Rick Miller. Now, if you don't recognize that name, you most definitely will recognize the face. So you may want to look him up if you're just listening to this without watching the film, but you may recognize him as one of the actors in Gremlins and in Terminator. But when you see him, you'll see him right away. He was also a part of General Hospital back in the day. So he's out there, he plays a janitor, uh, and he gets ridiculed by the other people, well, the inner janitors that are leaving for the night. Yo, Walter, you having a good time? <laughs> Ty, you know Paisley. He loves the challenge. Now go ahead and laugh, you guys. But if I ever find a little bastard that did this, they're dead meat. All right, Walter, right. See, you better hustle it up. Uh, you don't want to get locked up in here again, do you? Hey, rub it in all you like. I'll be out here in ten minutes, you'll see. <laughs> So he continues to clean the floor while one of the robots, now that they're all out on patrol, and it's patrol one, two, and three, by the way, very clever for the three floors that they're going to cover. Uh, and he's, I don't know, I have no idea what he's cleaning up. It, it could be spit, it could be vomit, it could be a bunch of diarrhea. I don't fucking know, but it's definitely gray and goopy. And that's what's making Walter so upset right here. So one of the robots does come up from behind him and then knocks over the bucket of water that he had there, to which he gets very, very upset with it. You clumsy son of a bitch! Look what you did! I ought to turn you into scrap metal for this! Hey, I see your identification badge, please. Identification badge? Do not make any sudden moves. Sudden move? I'll give you a sudden move upside your head! What the hell is that? What is this, your worthless pile of junk, huh? Hey, look. I'm like you, you know? I work here. See? Huh? See that? Oh, shit. I knew you bastards were going to be trouble when they first brought you in here. Ah! 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 Thank you. Have a nice day. Well, at least it was polite when he killed him, right? Shocked him to death and then said, well, have a nice day. (laughs) That seems to be their MO, too. Like, they're totally cool with just random murder, and then it comes down to, oh, well, you know, have a good day. So we cut back over into the furniture store, and Mike and his girl Leslie, they're talking. And again, Mike is still chewing gum, which makes me believe that the entire time he was trying to go muff diving, he was still chewing that goddamn gum. Like, really? You're 
you're still going to go do that even if you're down there? I mean, you're going to get some small and curly stuck in that gum, aren't you? Or worse yet, you're going to get the gum stuck down there in her pubic area. Uh, and then you're going to have to get some mayonnaise and some peanut butter. And, well, you've already got the chewing gum because you're supposed to chew it out, right? Then you got to freeze it out uh, just to make sure that you you can get it out completely. Oh, God. that Maybe that's the reason why she didn't want him to go down there. But, of course... She wants something specific. Uh, She wants to go and have a smoke. Because what's better than having a smoke after you have sex? But in this case, she's probably going to be sending Mike to his death. Hey, smoking's bad for your health. I have to have a cigarette and I have to have one now. Are you for real? Can't you think anything you'd rather have besides a smoke? No. Okay. Okay. Uh... I think Singleton left a pack of camels under the register. Camels? No way. You know I only smoke virgin lights. What do you expect me to do? Go out in the mall and buy a pack? There's a machine right down by the phones. Isn't it weird that those things used to exist? Like, they still had some when I was visiting in Arizona a little while ago, and I saw one of those smoking uh, cigarette vending machines, and it was very odd because you don't see those anymore. Here where the town where I live, we used to have a Hofbrout here uh, while I was growing up that they'd have one, and to see one in this film is odd. Second... She should just smoke the fucking camels, okay? You don't have to go out there and get the Virginia Slims or where the fuck they are. You're sending poor Mike to his death. You were lucky that he really wants to come back and tap that again. And you do give him a reason to come back. I do appreciate that. But you're sending him to his death because you don't want to smoke the type of cigarettes that he's got up front inside the register. What a bitch. So he goes over to the machine and he realizes that the cigarettes are going to cost him a dollar twenty-five. A dollar twenty-five, Jesus! You would think after twenty years, the fact that they're almost like ten dollars a fucking pack again, that a dollar twenty-five, he wouldn't be so upset by the fact that they cost that much. So while he's busy trying to pull a dollar twenty-five out of his pants, he's interrupted by one of the robots looking for his multi—I mean, his identification pass. May I see your identification badge, please? Jeez, you little bastards are quiet. Here. Flatu, Barada, Nictu, okay? Oh, you fucked up the words. Now the robot, yep, the robot's gonna chase him down and just fucking kill him. Uh, he doesn't really die in any, like, spectacular way. Again, for a movie called Chopping Mall, there's not a whole lot of chopping. He does get him in the neck, just like they got the last guy in the neck, and I think the last guy in the neck, uh, but not the janitor. He did get shocked to death with some kind of crappy animation, but, you know, it sucks. Here goes Mike, and Mike is sadly the first out of the group. Linda, she gets up, and she realizes that Mike, he hasn't come back, so she's going to go look for her. Meanwhile, we pass back over to our little dorky couple to see them still having an awkward conversation. What is it with those two, anyway? Personally, I can't figure it out. All they do is have sex and fight. Like most couples. Yeah. Look, we got about 15 minutes before the whole place locks up. 30? Yeah. Thanks. Okay, that wasn't fucking awkward and useless right there. I mean, 
It totally sucks because she obviously wants something to do with him, right? I mean, they made out. Why couldn't they just fuck too? But no, we can't have that. You you leave him like with blue balls to the nth fucking degree. So now we go back out to Leslie and she's roaming the halls and she's back by where the cigarette machine is. And there is on the ground Mike laying against the wall. A little bit in the darkness, but you could obviously see him. She keeps calling out for him. Where are you? How come you're not coming out? And then when she finally gets close enough, she almost trips on him. But it's so bright in there that you can see him. Like, only from the direction that we're seeing him do we get a little bit of a shadow. But the light, since it's coming from the back, meaning that's why we're getting the shadow, she should be able to see him just fine. But she obviously just pretends that she doesn't. Uh, when she does see him, she starts shaking him and she realizes that his neck's been cut because he starts bleeding out everywhere. She runs back to the furniture store because the robot's there and it's starting to chase her. And she gets to the store, she screams, and it blows her head off in front of everybody uh, that's there at the party. So poor Leslie is the second one to go. And I guess her dad is never going to see her again. See, he could have just fucking grabbed her and taken her home and said, Don't be a fucking whore. But as we know with 80s horror movies, whores are always the first thing to go. So the surviving members of the party, they all run into the back room and begin uh, putting boxes in front of the door, trying to block the robots from actually getting inside. They realize that this might not last long enough and that they really got to get out of there. This isn't going to hold them very long. You got any better ideas? What about the fire exit? All that's going to do is put us back out in the moon with those machines. Well, Babe's being trapped in here. Who knows what they're planning right now? Linda's right. We've got to get out somewhere we can run and get some weapons. What was that? That's the sound of us being locked in here all night. The security doors don't open until six. Oh no, we're never gonna get out of here. Yes, we are. The phone's dead. The computer must have taken control. <laughs> well, what about that? The air duct. Wait, we take it down to the parking levels, we're out of here. Let's go for it. Okay, now they all start climbing to the ducks, all the girls first. But then we see on the outside that the robots are putting some type of, like, explosive gel on the outside or foam. So the robots are fucking Batman now? Like, they got a utility belt of shit? Oh, they're not meant to kill, but they've got all these killing fucking weapons on them. What the hell, man? Okay, somebody fucked up when they made these things. So they're able to light the stuff. One of the robot leaves and runs away, and this robot blows up the door uh, and follows everybody inside, trying to go after them. He chases the boys out, but the girls are able to get into the ducks and run away. Uh, the boys, they all head towards the sports store to go get weapons. Meanwhile, the girls are in the air ducts, and it's starting to get hot in there. Air conditioning duct. The heat's been turned on. In the middle of summer? They know we're in here. They're trying to French fry us. Come on, Suze. You know who gives you twice as much heat at the restaurant? 
yeah, okay, stop being a bitch and just getting through there. And they're not moving very fast. I understand that it's probably getting hot and there's a small little enclosed space, but they're killer fucking robots down there. Just run the fuck away. Meanwhile, the boys, they get up to the uh, sporting goods store and... Rick, he says that he has a key, which turns out to be like a rock or some shit just breaking the windows. They all grab guns. Poor Ferdy, he gets the handgun. Meanwhile, the machine gun, or the automatic rifle, I should say, goes to Greg, and Rick, he pulls a, a shotgun. They also grab a thing of propane, because they figure that maybe they could use that to defeat the robot. Uh... <laughs> There's a stupid joke about, hey, are you sure that you can shoot that thing? Like, why they ask Ferdy, why doesn't he just ask Greg if he can shoot the thing too? And even himself, can he shoot the thing? And Ferdy's like, yeah, I've seen a ton of dirty, hairy movies. And so when the robot comes, they all fire at it, and they all suck at firing. Even the robot fucking sucks at firing. He's just firing lasers fucking randomly. He's not being very precise. So are they. So when they throw the fucking can of propane out there, you think that the robot might have tried to aim for the can of propane and blow it the fuck up and blow all of them and be done and say, you know, have a nice day and enjoy your entrails being all over the mall. Uh, but no, it gives it enough time for them to throw it down there and then shoot it after a couple of fucking shots and blow up the can, knocking the robot over, thinking that they've killed it. We cut back over to the air duct, and Susie is slowly starting to lose it. She believes that Greg needs her help and that she has to get back. She's also getting really hot, and it's probably affecting the way that she's thinking. Of course, the girls, they try to tell her and say, no, we need to keep going and stop her from exiting, but eventually she does. She finds a very convenient grate next to them, kicks it open, and then goes down uh, into a random like hardware store or some shit like that. The boys, they go back and they get another thing of, well, another two things of propane and go to an uh, elevator to where they're going to hatch another plan. The girls, uh, Linda particularly, uh, has shows them how to create Molotov cocktails using just the gas canisters, which are really weird. I don't remember seeing these back in the day. I don't know if you guys do. But they were like pre-sold cans of gas. I kind of remember these in the 80s, maybe early 90s. So instead of you buying a gas canister that you would fill up at a station, you would actually have like a can of gas that would be regular or unleaded. Uh, and then, so if you carry that with you, which is probably not the smartest thing, especially if it got really hot, if you ran out of gas, you can use that to fill up your tank if you're going into an area where you know there isn't going to be a gas station. I'm pretty sure now with the abundance of gas stations, we really don't see these anymore, but it was kind of fun to see again, and I had totally forgot that these things had even existed. We go back over to the boys, and they're rigging up something on top of an elevator uh, that I think they're going to be using to try to attack, well, or destroy one of the protector robots that are there. Uh, They get into, Greg and Rick get into a conversation, and it's weird because I thought that it was Mike that was the one that bought the beer. Hey guys, how's it going? Almost done, Freddy. You think Mike got out of right? For your sake, I hope so. But right now, I'm more concerned about the girls. Yeah, you and me both. Hey, I almost forgot. How much do I owe you for the beer? Forget it, man. We get out of here, you owe me a six-pack. Just make sure that those cords are good and tight. Yeah. Are you sure this is going to work? With those things, Greg, I'm not sure of anything. 
Hey, Ferdy, how's the panel coming? Well, the doors work now. I bypassed the circuit. But forget about going up or down. It's controlled by the computer. Do you hear anything unusual? Only my heartbeat. Well, and the fact that shitty Johnny Five is now alive, he was able to actually get up after being exploded on by that damn propane tank that was back there. So the girls grab all their firebombs, and they start walking back out into the middle of the mall. They end up getting chased by one of the robots. I don't know if it's the one that got up and was still alive or was a different one. Uh, I'm assuming that it's one of the other ones that was on patrol. So it starts chasing them, and they decide that the best thing to do is to try to throw one of their Molotov cocktails at it. Well, they throw it at it, but they throw it like underneath it and set it on fire. It's not really like, hey, we're going to light this on fire first and then toss the whole thing so that when it hits the robot, it explodes into flames. No, we're going to fucking curl it along the ground and then it's going to go underneath it and it's going to burst into flames, but it's not going to do anything to them. So now they believe that they're fucked and they continue to run and it starts shooting lasers at them. And when it shoots, it gets Susie in one of the legs. And so now we know Susie is pretty much fucked. Eventually, she gets set on fire, uh, and it's really funny because she's crying for help, and they're like, oh no, we really can't go, and you would think that the robot itself would be following her, right? And in the background, the robot's just standing there. Like, it was chasing him, it stopped, it saw that it got her, and it was like, okay, I'm gonna wait for the perfect moment to set her on fire, uh, and it eventually does, and she burns to death. Now... I get it, this is a movie, but the stuntman that did it, and I'm definitely saying stuntman, uh, that was the one on fire, looked nothing like Susie. Uh, they did it from this weird, like, kitty corner type of shot, so maybe you couldn't recognize it, but looking at it, man, that's totally a man that burned to death in this fire. They meet up with the boys. Greg is visibly upset, starts really shooting at it. Uh, They get it to go into the elevator, right? And Rick is able to get out of the elevator and get everything all set up. And when he jumps off over into the next section, uh, Greg and Ferdy, they start shooting at the propane tanks. They can't quite hit it because they all suck at shooting guns. Uh, It's not just Ferdy. And so Allison takes the gun, and with a single shot, she's able to blow up the propane tanks, which sends the escalator flying downwards and actually destroying that particular protector robot that was inside of the elevator. Uh, They're all amazed that she's able to do well, and she says, well, it's because my dad's a Marine. So I guess having a dad in the military automatically makes you a better shot than anybody else. I get it, he probably taught her, but she could have said, my dad taught me, he's a Marine. But no, it's just my dad's a Marine, which doesn't mean shit, doesn't mean that you've ever handled a fucking gun before, okay? So they managed to escape to the place where Allison and Susie work. And this is where I learned that it's actually a part of the mall. See, I, again, I thought that it was all separate in the beginning, but it turns out that this is actually the place. Everybody is just kind of decompressing and trying to assess the situation. But of course, Linda, she's thinking about how much money she plans on owing them all. According to my calculations, provided we survive the night, of course, we're going to be in hock to this place for the next 85 years. How many tune-ups is that? Just a sec. Two million, nine hundred thousand, four hundred and thirty-one. 
maybe we should raise our rates. Okay, this makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. First, where'd you get the calculator? I guess maybe it was behind the counter, and that's what they were using to charge people. Okay, got it. That's where she could have gotten the calculator from. But why is she worried about owing the mall money? Like, didn't they fucking, like, go crazy? Like, the robots are the ones that are causing all the chaos and everything, and they're just trying to survive. What shitty company, whether it's an insurance or it's the owners of the mall, they're not at fault. It's obviously the lightning. Of course, they could say, well, this was an act of God and you got to pay us the money, but they needed to survive. Nobody would fucking go after them from any of this money. It makes no fucking sense. And then the second thing is, how much do you charge for your goddamn tune-ups? And is that all you really do? It's not a mechanic. It's just a tune-up shop. So what? You charge 20 bucks a tune-up? And then now you have to do over $2 million because you think this is how much the damage is going to cost you? How do you know how much everything fucking costs? Like, did your dad build the mall? And you put all your money into the goddamn business. You must have the shittiest fucking mechanic service in the world if you have to do over $2 million tune-ups just to pay back probably what's a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of damage. Like... Maybe you're tri- charging two cents. There's no way. There's no way. Average tune-up cost. Somebody, please tell me, because there's no way that they would be doing two million even back in 1980. Uh, so fucking frustrating. Well, you know, I'm not the only one that's frustrated here. You know, Greg, his girl has just died, and Susie, I thought, might be one of the last ones to actually be in this film, uh, along with Greg. Like, I felt that Rick and Linda here, they would have been off a long time ago, but here they are, uh, still surviving with everybody. And there's just one thing that Greg really wants to know. Tell me one thing, though, huh? Why did you leave the airship? And you were safe there. You were safe. Like Susie thought you were in trouble. She just wanted to help. I'm telling you, you should have kept her there. Look, she told you what happened. Why didn't you just leave her alone? Shut up. You just shut the fuck up. Hey. You guys mind keeping it down? There's another one of those things out there. And you're going to bring it right to us. There's another one? Why haven't we seen it? Why? I'll tell you why. Because the fucker's out there waiting for us. He's waiting to pick us off one by one. But I got news for you. He ain't getting me. Right. You're not thinking, man. We got this far by staying together. And a lot of good that did Susie, right? Actually, you didn't stay together. You guys split up. Those three stayed together, and those three stayed together, and now you're all together. So honestly then, splitting up was the wrong fucking thing to do. I understand you're totally upset. Your girlfriend just got fucking burned to death, I guess? I mean, she was set on fire, and she got killed by them. But what about poor Mikey? You still don't know if he's dead. He's dead, by the way. Uh, and then you saw your friend Susie probably go out the worst fucking way, which getting her whole fucking head blown off. 
it it makes no sense why you wouldn't think that sticking together at this point would be the best way. You guys come up with a plan, everybody can do the right thing, and then you can go out. And the other thing that you don't know is that there actually are two left. You killed one, you think you killed the other, but he came back, and you've got one that you haven't even seen yet. So... Of course, they're fighting amongst themselves, and then Ferdy, he figures out, hey, there actually might be a way to stop these things. Wait. Wait, I got an idea. The master computer is somewhere on the third level. We shut it down, it shuts the robots down. Well... Worth a try. Computer, huh? Let's go trash the fucker. That's right, it's time to go on a mission, and they're running through the mall, and Greg, he's running too fast. They go up to the third floor, and guess who's there to meet him at the top of the escalator? Why, it's one of the patrol bots. It's the other one who just fucking tosses him off of the ledge like a bitch down to his death, and now Greg is dead. So the rest of the crew, they all run into one of the department stores, and they pull down the metal doors, and they have to find something to, you know, lodge into it so that they can lock the robots out. Allison, you all right? I think so. Where to? Escalator, third level. What about the doors? We can't relock them. They'll get through. Maybe so. Maybe not. Let's go. So, what you hear at the end of that thing is him putting a bar into the uh, the chain mechanism so that they can't raise up the door and he shoves it down like hard like he's it's like a baseball bat that he's he's wedging into something but all he does is put it into the little wheel and the thing can still fucking turn like it doesn't really stop the whole thing if the robots wanted to lift it up they probably use a little bit of pressure lift it up that thing would just fall out because it's just fucking dangling there and barely holding anything on uh, the robots, they come up with their own plan, and one of them starts using his lasers to cut through the metal of the door. The other one decides he's going to go some other way, and we don't really see that robot for a little while. Uh, they decide to go hide in one corner of the place, uh, and that's where Allison comes up with the plan to basically go off by herself. Hold it, Bertie. They could be out there. Yeah, at least we're safe here for the moment. Yeah, for the moment. Those things can go anywhere they want. You know, maybe we'd all stand a better chance if we split up. Are you kidding? The moment any one of us go out there, we're dead meat. Yesterday's news. Damn it, Freddie, will you stop it? Will you just stop it? Linda. Linda, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. I. It's all right. It's not you, Freddie. I guess I'm just not used to being chased around a mall in the middle of the night by killer robots. Oh, really? Um, you know, that's something that I really love to do every now and then. I mean, it's only really a once in a while type of thing, that's sure. But man, the adrenaline that it brings to you when you go into a place and you're chased by killer robots and you get to see 80s boobs before you do anything. Man, that is the best 
fucking night ever. No! Who the fuck gets chased around by 80s fucking killer robots? Who? That's a normal night for some people? Obviously, this is just one of those lines they put in there because of, ha, they thought it would be funny, but it's just stupid and ridiculous. Uh, and then why? Why go off on your own? You know, everybody that when they've stuck together, they've all survived in one way when somebody's gone off to do something else. So Mike went off to go get the cigarettes by himself. Dead. J- Leslie went go look for Mike by herself. Dead. Uh, Susie, she fell back behind because she got shot in the leg and she was by herself laying there dead. Greg, he ran off by himself ahead of everybody. was going too fast because he wanted to get revenge on the robots. Dead. So you going off by yourself in this is really going to let you live? And you know why it probably would? Because you're one of two people in this film that had not had any type of sexual relation at all. That's right. You had the couples that died first were the sex-crazed, like, kind of honeymoon couple, right? They both died right away. And then you had the other two single people that had been in a long-term relationship. They're now dead. And so now what's going to happen? Either the married couple is going to survive or the dorky couple that didn't even bother have sex that night because it was too awkward for them to have it. They're going to survive. I wonder which way we're going to go with this. So... As they're sitting there and they're they're talking about what they're going to do, the other robot, the one that's been working on the door, it breaks in. It's in! Yeah, and it won't be long before it comes our way. We've got to get out of here. Not so fast. One of them could have doubled back. We could get picked off out there. Well, look, if those things want some target practice, why don't we give them some targets? So they decide to use some of the dummies that are there to create a distraction for one of the robots. I guess the one that's upstairs, because the other one that was going through the store, they meet him at a different part of it. So it's just weird. I don't know. But the other thing that they do use, uh, they use mirrors as well. So they get the dummies, they open up the gate, the robot starts coming at them, and uh, Rick and Ferdy, they start shooting at him to get the distraction. Meanwhile, uh Linda and Allison, they start running away. Now, the mirrors work as they would because it does start reflecting the shots off everywhere. And eventually, one of the lasers does hit the robot and it starts kind of going crazy and just shooting lasers fucking everywhere. Uh, While Linda and Allison are running away and Rick and Ferdy are trying to catch up, Linda stops like a fucking dumbass and starts calling at Rick. And instead of just running and at least getting into cover, she ends up, you know, just stopping right there in the middle of the fucking walkway and the lasers are coming fucking everywhere. And eventually one hits her and fucking kills her. And that's what she fucking deserves. She deserves to fucking die because of that. And she could have just stood still or she could have just fucking ran. Actually, don't stand still. Just fucking run. Uh, so the robot is still going crazy. Rick is all fucking pissed off because the robot has killed Linda, even though it's kind of by accident. Uh, and so Ferdy and Allison are looking upon and Rick's like, go. And then he drives a like mall cart really slow into the robot to destroy and disable it, but electrocutes himself in the fucking process. It's going hella slow, dude. Just fucking jump off. 
You don't have to stay on it when it crashes into it. Are you worried it's going to veer off course too much? Oh no, if I jump off it right now before it hits, it's going to veer off a little bit to the left and then everything's going to miss and it's not going to kill the thing and then it's going to No, you don't have to sacrifice yourself in this situation to kill the robot for no apparent reason uh, even though you could have killed it anyway. And again, the car barely touches the robot and the robot falls over dead. Like a certain somebody else in another movie that ran into a couch. God damn it, this has happened twice, hasn't it? <sighs> so, now we are down to just two people. And they've got to find the goddamn uh, room. And again, Allison, she believes she has the solution. Where the hell is it? Probably off one of these service corridors. There's a million doors. Let me find it. Okay. Well, you try over there, and I'll try over here. No, I don't want to split up. What can happen? You want a list? We're wasting time. Okay, look, if you even think you see anything or hear anything... You'll hear me. Okay. And now we're getting into the home stretch of the movie. So they decide to split up. Allison's going to go look on one side to find the control room, and Ferdy's going to go to the other. There's a really weird... Falling cable jump scare, and they're using the exact same hallway to do the same things, just maybe look in a different direction of the hallway. Uh, you see one where Allison's going through, and you see one where Ferdy's going through. Allison gets a jump scare, uh, not just with the cable, but there's a room, and the door is like slowly open, so she grabs a pipe. And honestly, if you're gonna fight like these killer robot things, that type of pipe, that lead pipe, is not going to do anything for you. You're going to swing it. It's going to shoot you with a laser, and that's going to be fucking it. So she goes over, thinking it opens the door, and there's a bunch of junk that falls out. She goes into the room, and you get that horror slasher vibe when she's in there. Like something is watching her or looking around. And she ends up getting herself cornered in one little area. And surprise, the last of the patrol robots is there and raises its arm, telling her, come at me, bro. And she tries to hit it with the pipe, which totally fails. Uh... Ferdy, he hears her from the distance, runs over to where she is, and then, like, execution style starts shooting at the damn robot. It doesn't do a whole lot, but he's able to actually shoot it in the face and disable the lasers. He runs away, and it falls after him. Uh, she also follows after it. Ferdy tells her, you gotta go, you gotta run away. He shoots out of it, uh, and the robot asks again for the ID, and after he shoots at it, runs out of bullets, finally. Like, he's been shooting for at least 40 minutes of this movie, and now he's just ran out of bullets. So what does he do? Throws the gun at the robot, which doesn't do anything. Then he picks up, like, a fire extinguisher, throws it at the robot. The robot then picks that shit up and flings it at him, ultimately killing Ferdy. Uh, he's down there. For some reason, he's in a pool of his own blood around his head, even though he got hit in the gut with the goddamn thing. Now it's a game of cat and mouse between Allison and the robot. She decides to duck into a pet store. Why she chooses a pet store, I really don't know. 
it looks like there's a bunch of random like insects and other animals inside the pet store, but I don't see like dogs or cats. So she decides that she's going to hide underneath one of the shelves and she's going to use what it says 30 pound bag of dog food, but it looks more like a five pound bag that only goes from her chin to like maybe her crotch. So it's barely going to cover her. The robot goes inside of the pet store and knocks down a couple of terrariums that held spiders and snakes. Why it's spiders and snakes all the goddamn time, but that's just what it fucking is. So the spiders and snakes, they make their way over to Allison, and they start to crawl on top of her. She's trying to hold it in, make sure she doesn't get hurt at all by the robot, uh, and it does leave the store. She's able to wipe off the snakes and the bugs from her, well, the spiders, and then it looks like she stomps down on a couple of the spiders for good fucking measure. She, As she's leaving, though, she does get scared by something else, and her sound alerts the robot to her presence. So it goes back over to the pet store. And then she runs over the edge. She's trying to figure out where she needs to go, and then she figures out the best thing to do is to hang over the edge of the goddamn railing. Uh, you know, being, or I should say, falling from that type of height didn't really work well enough for Greg. What makes you think that you're going to be okay? Oh, it's that fucking tent that's on the bottom there. Yeah, of course, that's going to break your fall. I know it is. I know it. God damn it, I hate it so much. So... The robot comes over to the edge, doesn't notice that her arms are there, but as it keeps trying to look around, and as time goes by, eventually she does lose her grip once the robot does go away. So she falls down. You think she's going to... Nope, she falls right into the tent that's below, which, I guess, somehow saves some of the impact, and she starts to figure out what she needs to do to get away. So looking around what she has available to her, she realizes that the best thing that she could possibly use would be the paint store that's in the mall. Yes, she runs in there. She, and this is really weird, she breaks the glass for both the top and the bottom panes of the window into the paint store, but she only uses the bottom. So why not just only break the bottom? Why do you got to create more glass or is she worried that if she does that then that's gonna fall on top of her i don't fucking know but it makes no sense and then she becomes like the master of opening fucking paint cans because she just keeps popping them popping them popping them and throwing on the ground and then throwing out turpentine and then throwing more paint more paint thinner more paint more paint thinner to the point that she gets the attention of the robot who breaks through the steel frames that are there and then when he hits the spot that has all the paint he doesn't have any type of traction she comes out of the shadows and she finally gets her comeuppance with the robot but that is not before the robot once again throws up his hands basically saying come at me bro but Allison, she gets the final laugh of the movie. Hey! Have a nice day! That's right, she still had the flair that she had from when she was in the, uh, the store and they're making the Molotov cocktails. She put it in between her boobs like she was giving the flair a tit job. Uh, and she was able to use that to finally destroy the last robot. And so all is well within the mall. She is the final survivor of the film. And she's walking, you know, making sure that she can get towards the exit. And she's reflecting on all the lives she's lost. Uh, 
And then that's when she hears a familiar voice and the movie, it ends. Hey. Nice shot. So that was Chopping Mall. Were you surprised to see Ferdy at the end of the film? I honestly was. I thought once they killed him, I thought it was going to be one of two things. And what did happen was one of my thoughts, that Ferdy was going to sacrifice himself to save Allison because he's, like, love-struck. Again, he's a nerd that's probably never had a girlfriend, never been laid. He meets this girl. She's absolutely wonderful. She's actually into him, and that's going to be the one that he's going to be with for the rest of his life. That's what he believes. And so he's going to sacrifice himself to make sure that she doesn't die by the end of the film. Uh, Lo and behold, uh, he does not die. He does sacrifice himself, and it's kind of shitty because... Honestly, he took something to the gut, not to the head, and he really should still be alive, you know. Uh, So I was kind of actually happy and rooting that, you know, Ferdy would live, and Ferdy did live, and it made me very happy. So, overall, what do we think of this film, or what do I think of this film? Um, I think it's actually a really dumb, fun film. This definitely falls into the category of it's so bad it's good because the robots are really shitty, the acting is really shitty, there's really not a whole lot of gore, uh, the storyline really sucks, there's a lot of TNA uh, for you know that 80s vibe. Um, and honestly, chopping mall, there's no chopping in this mall. Nobody loses a limb. Nobody gets their head lopped off. Well, you know, poor Leslie, she got her head blown off. And there's actually kind of cool thing at the end that they do during a little bit of the credits. They give everybody like an image of their character and they put the actress or actor's name, uh, at the bottom of it. But it sucks for the actress that plays Leslie because the picture she gets is when her head's blown off. It's not even the actress. It like, says her name and that's fucking it and it i would be totally pissed off if that was it for me uh so by my rating system what do i give this movie well the gore uh factor of this film it's a one out of five it's not really gory you know you could probably say some things aren't necessarily safe for kids the head blowing up but it's not that bad and it's really quick it's not like it's there for a long time so i don't really even rate it any higher than that uh crap factor that's when you know how bad are some things like how crappy are they are they you know 
Is it stuff falling off? Is it a staple that you can see on the shark in Jaws the Revenge? Uh, can you see somebody following into a piece of the set and having to hold it up? That's the crap factor that I'm talking to. Uh, it can be, be acting or story or whatever. And it's a 4 out of 5. I think it, it was very close to making a 5 out of 5 if the deaths were any worse than what they were in the film. Uh, but again, the biggest one for me is that you call it Chopping Mall, but there's no chopping involved at this mall at all. Uh, except for the really crappy place at the beginning of the movie where the guy is smoking over the food that he's serving. Uh, fun factor, that is how much enjoyment can you get out of this film? Uh, do you find it, you know, not enjoyable at all? Or do I find it that, uh, you know, I had a really great time? And it's a five out of five for me. It is a really good time. Uh, I laughed a lot. I thought things were ridiculous, but I really enjoyed the film overall. So what is my final rating of this film? Well, I'm going to give Chopping Mall four out of five polite killer robots. Yes, they are very polite and they make sure after they have killed you that you have a very nice day. Now, if you'd like to listen to other episodes of the Terrible Terror Podcast, you can always find me out there on uh, platforms like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, uh, and Blueberry and Google Play. I'm also available on Twitter. It's at T underscore T underscore podcast, uh, as well as Facebook.com slash the Terrible Terror Podcast, uh, and Instagram, Terrible Terror Podcast as well. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chopping Mall. Uh, I enjoyed very much talking with everybody about it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your support for Hurricane Harvey Relief. And please, please donate what you can. Thanks and enjoy the rest of your day.